James is teaching us about this Christian life. It's been extraordinary this passage, isn't it? The whole letter of James. It is so true. It, it shows us a way. It's practical. Today we're going to talk about money. Money. A lot of churches love to talk about money. I don't often preach about money. People who know me for a long time now know that I don't preach about money, but money is important. Money is important for the child of God, isn't it? If you haven't got money, you can't live in this world. You can survive, there's people who can survive, but money is important. Now I know there's a lot of teachings about this and people want to get money to become rich. That's true. Churches preach and they say you need to bring your tithes and they say if you give us a thousand dollars today as a seed, God will grow that seed into $100,000 in a week. And that's a big return on investment, I must say. I've never seen it happen. Never. That's not the kind of preaching you get in this church. Or people say, let's, let's preach about tithings and get money in and get rich. This pastor will not get rich with your tithing money. Or your, no way. That's not the aim. So we're going to talk about money in the way that James wants to talk about money to us. And it's part of becoming spiritual mature. Our sentence we are finishing today is a mature Christian is a good steward of his money. Now, when I wrote it down and I sent it out, I realized I've written that wrong. I should have said a mature Christian is a good steward of God's money. Have you noticed? Because it's not your money. It's not my money. Your possession's not yours. The title deed of every single thing you own belongs to God. That is the correct way of saying it. A mature Christian is a good steward of God's money. You're only a steward thereof. A caretaker. A supervisor. It's only flowing through you. And if God blesses you to flow more through you, so you are blessed by Him. And today we're going to see what James says about this. First of all, let's open up in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Let's see first what Paul says before we go into chapter 5 of the book of James. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6. We find Paul talking about this as well. And I want you to follow slowly because I'm going to just slow down a bit here so that these words can sink in. In fact, so many times, dear brothers and sisters, I do not have to say anything more than what the Word tells us. I find people get into messy situations trying to say more than what the Word says. 
But listen to these words now. He says there, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That is so true. Think about those words. Contentment is a very rarity these days. You do not see people content with their lives anymore. They want to have more and better. And I must say technology has brought this to the nation. Technology has brought this to the generations. In the early days there were no TVs around that you could see what other people have. People were so content with what they had. They knew what was going on around them and that was what they had. But now with the advancement of technology you can see what people have got overseas and you know what people say, man, we would love to have what they've got. And here the writer Paul writes to Timothy, a young man, a young pastor, and he says to him, now godliness with contentment is a great thing. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people misuse God's word and they think that godliness brings material gain. And that's what you hear from some pulpits. They say if you're a Christian, if you're godly, then you need to be rich. That's wrong teaching. That's not what Paul said here. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, he says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that what will happen? We can carry nothing out. How true is that? We brought nothing into this world. Have you seen a baby when it's born? I saw the birth of Sharia. I wasn't allowed with Richard in South Africa and Gavin's birth, but I saw the birth of Sharia. And I can tell you one thing. It isn't as if Sharia came out of the womb holding on to a purse of money. Have you seen that? Or to a, a cell phone, an iPhone. Did you see any baby being born with an iPhone? You bring nothing into this world. You are absolutely naked, stripped of every, everything. And that is the same way that you will go back. Might I just add, maybe a little bit more wrinkled than you came. <laughs> but it is so true. And then he says, And having food and clothing... With these we shall be content. Food and clothing. I've noticed even the world are living by this principle. When there's a natural disaster happening, what is the call from the people? They say, can you bring us food and clothes? Have you ever heard somebody make a cry like this? They go, please can you give us food and clothes and a few gold bars and a few BMWs? No, people are the pinnacle on food and on clothing. If you are sitting here today and you have food and clothing, be content. Because there will be people in this world today who will not have food. There's people in this world today who do not have clothing. And here we are trying to get more and more and more. This is what this warning is about. This is what he's talking about there. He says, become content with what you have. Verse 9, he goes on to say, he says, But those who desire to be rich, listen, fall into temptation and a snare. You know what a snare is? A snare is like you've got a net to catch birds, and they are caught into that. Riches catches people like a net. The more you have, the more you want. Temptation comes through riches. 
This is what this writer says here. And he says it right there. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I know today of people who's trying to get more money in illegal ways. You just go into the drug trafficking, into all of these kind of things that people do. It destroys their lives, but they want more money. And they will destroy their lives, their family lives. They will destroy their societies, their posterity, and every single thing just to get more. And this is so true to our day. It is as if this can be the next highlight in the newspapers tomorrow. Verse 10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself, the love for money. Have you noticed that? The love for money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and perceived themselves through with many, many sorrows. If we can only but listen to what the Word of God says, we will be satisfied with what we have. And more to that, we will look at people around us. There was this rich old man. He was very, very miserable. He came to his pastor and he says, Pastor, I can't understand what's going on with me. I've got all of the riches. You ask me and I can jump on an airplane and I can fly all over the world. He says, I can drive wherever I want to drive. I walk into a place and I can buy whatever I want to buy. Not on higher purchase, I pay for it cash. And then I drill the price down because I pay cash. Isn't that what all we do? You flick out your pocket and you go, if I give you cash, how much more discount can you give me? He is so influential that if they see him walking into a store, they already drop the price and then he goes below that. This guy has got a lot of money. You would say he's stinking rich. But he was miserable. And he came to the pastor and he says, I can't understand. What's going on here? I should be happy. So the pastor took him and he walked him over to the window. And the window overlooks a park who was really busy with people. And he says, what can you see? So this rich old man stood there and he says, well, I see trees and I see birds and I see skies and I see the clouds in the skies and every single thing around that. He says, is that beautiful? Yeah, that's, that's really beautiful. He says, what else do you see? He says, well, I see people. I see Men and women, and I see little children kicking balls around, and I see little dogs running around, and puppies and so on, and it's people laughing and playing and going on. He says, that's wonderful, isn't it? Yes, says the old man, it's so wonderful. Look at those people, they look so happy. So why in the world am I not happy? So the pastor turned around and he walked him over to a mirror. He says, what do you see now? The old man looked at himself and he says, well, I see myself. So the pastor said to me, see, all the difference is, both is glass. When I took you to the window, you were looking through a glass. And what you could see was people. When I took you to the mirror, that is a glass. But there's only a fine line of silver that was painted on the other side. It is when you add silver to it that you start looking at yourself and not others. I thought that was clever, wouldn't you? If we started adding silver to our lives and it becomes so much more to us than any other thing in life, then we start concentrating on us. And you know what the, what the words is? I want more. I need more. I this, I that, I this. And you start focusing on yourself 
and it makes you miserable because the more you have the more you want and the more you get the more you hoard and the more you hoard you know what hoarding does it brings moth rats and mice that's what it brings so this man stood there emptied of himself and in his own life there were rats and mice making him miserable about the hole he had but he had nothing so the love for money is the root of all kindness some people misquote that verse they say that money is the root of all evil it's not true no no god is not saying that if you've got money that you're not blessed no i've known a lot of people in my life in my short life i've known a lot of people who are very very affluent and who's got a lot of money but you know what they are some of the happiest people and they use their money in a mature way in a mature way so let's see how james is now going to give us the maturity in money or he's talking about money in james chapter 5 verse 1 he says come now i like that that's an invitation come now you rich he specifically talk about the rich here weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you your riches are corro corrupted your garments are moth-eaten your gold and silver are corroded and the corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire you have heaped up a treasure in the last days indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud cry out and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the lord of sobath that's the lord god almighty you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury you have fattened your hearts in in a day out of slaughter you have condemned you have murdered the just he does not resist you that is a pretty hard word isn't it if you think about it he's talking to the rich here what he's saying is when he was sitting in the church and visiting these churches as he went through the churches he could see in the church the different classes of people they were poor people in the church but then they were rich people in the church and he identified between these people he didn't judge he saw what was happening you remember earlier in the book of james when he said that some people will come in and they looked rich because they had gold on their hands and they had very good clothing on what did the people do they were partial they said no no you come in and come and sit in the in a good seat here but when a poor man walked in and he had ragged clothes what did they say no you just go and sit there at the back so this was happening in their day there were people coming in who's got a lot of money and because people has got money it attracts a lot of other people for good and for the wrong reasons and this is what he saw so as he walked us through this whole letter now he comes to the point that he wants to address that person who's sitting in that chair in that very affluent chair and everybody's hanging off this person they make movies these days about rich people and you know what people watch them and they follow them and these rich people become their stars not only in the world but in the church also i can name a few televangelist offer you and you'll get mad at me for naming them but these people have become now superstars of the christian fraternity this is the people now james is addressing he's talking to them 
But He's also talking to you and me. He's talking to everybody about this subject here. The first thing He says, and He's so concerned about the selfishness of the rich. You see, they've got money, but now He addresses something else. Not the money itself, He addresses the selfishness. That's the root that's lied inside of the people. And he tells them to do what? To weep and to howl. He says, you are so full of yourselves. You think you've got everything made, but you need to start to weep and to howl. You need to start to cry. Why? He gives three reasons for this. Let's look at them quickly. The first one is the way they got their wealth. How did they get their wealth? That's the first thing they need to start to weep and howl about. James chapter four, verse, uh, 5, verse 4, he says, Indeed, your wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. The first thing he says is what the prophet Amos was saying, the prophet Jeremiah was saying the same thing, and the prophet Isaiah was saying the same thing. He said there's people who are making money in a fraudulent way. It's the way you make your money. That is the problem. And if I think about today, even in the church, there's people who's making their money in a fraudulent way. If I can just get an extra dollar out of you in a, in a fraudulent way, I'll take it. He's talking about Christians here. We know these things happen in the world. We know. Isn't it true? I'm not talking about somebody who's growing cannabis in his backyard and selling it. We know that is not right. I'm not talking about people who's making, you know, ice and pee and all this, all this stuff in the houses and selling it to your young people, which is an evil, which is destroying people's minds. We know that is not right. He's talking about children of God. People who's got businesses, Christians who's got businesses, but they try to get not to pay the tax man, or they try to do an illegal thing to try to get more money. How are you getting your money? This is the problem here. It's not the money itself. If you're a hard-working man who works hard, who gives your time and your effort and everything, God will bless that. If you give God the glory. But this... He, you know, he mentions it there. He says there's people who works for you, so you're a business owner. And they mow your fields. Well, it's not with a ride-on mower in those days. It was really tough to do it in those days. They go around with sickles. They work a whole hard day in the sun. It is really tough on their bodies. And then at night time they came and they sit down. And back in the day they were paid on a daily basis. These people were paid when they finish their job. He gives two examples of this. The one is holding back the wages. We find in Deuteronomy that the Lord laid down the law. He says, You shall not oppress the highest servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the aliens who is in your land within your gates. He's talking to these landowners here. Each day you shall give him his wages. Would you love to get your wages every day? We get it on a weekly basis, some of us. No, back in the day, before the sun goes down, you had to pay your laborers. That's how it worked. Each one, 
Each day you shall give him his wages, and not let the sun go down on it. For he is poor and has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to the Lord, and it be a sin to you. This is terrible. Have you noticed he says he set his heart on that money? He says, well, I've got a, a wife and children at home. I'm working so hard in the sun. The whole day I was mowing your, 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 your weeds and everything. I was cutting them off. Now I'm tired. I'm sitting back. And you as the owner has got to come around and give us your money. But you know what the owners say? We're going to hold back on that. Let's put it in the bank to get a few extra money for us. Let's not pay them today. Let's pay them tomorrow. Let's pay them the next day. And now he says they were putting their hearts on it and they are now crying against you to the Lord. They're saying, oh Lord, what are we going to do? We've given our hearts hard work here and this man is not paying us. And those prayers is coming to the Lord. What can the Lord do? What can he do? He can remove the wealthy man's riches. Have we got an evidence of this? Yes, we have. In the book of Luke, you remember the man who filled his grain, his grain barns were so full, and he said, oh man, I've worked so hard. No, he didn't. His laborers worked hard. He was just collecting it. He was in a fortunate position. And so he worked so hard. They worked hard, and his, his grains became so full. And what did he say? Oh, I'm going to build bigger ones, and then I'm going to start living luxurious. What did the Lord say? He says, you're full tonight. Your life will be taken from you, and all these things is gone. In Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 13, he says, Woe to him who builds his house on unrighteousness. You see? And his chambers on injustice, who uses their neighbor's service without wages and gives him nothing for his work. The Lord is clear on this. If somebody works, they are worth their wages and they get paid. You say, but you know, I'm not a businessman sitting here this morning. How does this apply to me? Yes, it applies to you and me. How are you getting your money? I know about Christians today who are trying illegal ways to get their money. And there will not be a blessing from God upon that. Now let me go one step further then. You've taken out some loans and so on and you're not paying it on time. Isn't that the, sort of the same thing? If you take the responsibility to take out a loan and they say, yes, your payments, and on every fifth of the month you need to pay that payment, and now you're coming to that point... And because you lift above your means, you can't pay them on the 5th, now you're stretching it to the 10th. Now, I'm, look, look, I'm, I'm not saying here it's a sin for you, but listen to me, friend. You as a child of God has got a responsibility. You've got a responsibility. God is giving you as a steward money that you need to be responsible for. You see, you thought I was going to talk about tithing this morning, isn't it? No, no. There is so much responsibility around money that God gives us. So the first thing that He tells them to weep and to howl about is the way they get their wealth. And then He gives them the second one, or, or the second example, sorry, is the first one is how they were holding back wages. And the second is how they get their wealth is they were controlling the courts. He said it already for us in James chapter 2 verse 6. He says, but you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? It is so true, isn't it? It is so true to our day. A rich man will pull you quicker to the courts than a poor man. It's just so. 
But this is Christians he's talking about. Now, back in the day, these people, because they had a lot of money, they were affluent, they controlled the court. So there were no way that one of these people who didn't get their, their money for the day's work could run to the court and can ask the court to get their money off. In fact, the Bible says the children of God shouldn't take other children of God to the courts. The Bible is clear about that. But these rich people will quickly pull you to the court. Oh, you owe me that, and now I'm going to take you to court. So it's the way that you get your money is the first thing. The second thing he addresses is the way the rich use their wealth. That should be a two there. It's not the third one yet. So the second way is how they use their wealth. The first one is how they get it, and the second one is how they use it. Look at James chapter 5, verse 3. He says, Your gold and silver are corroded, and the corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of your labors who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers reach the ears of the Lord of Sobath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure, and in luxury. You see that? You've lived in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of the slaughter. So there's two things they've done. They've stored it up. It says it there, they've heaped it up like a treasure. Now the Bible is not against you having a saving account. I just want to mention that. This is not about a savings account. This is hoarding it up. This is getting so much more, but you hoard up more, and now you are chasing it down, and you want to have more than more. Is there ever a place like that? And this is a reason for them to howl and to weep, is because they've stored it up, and then they've kept it from others who need it. He says it right there, he says, which you've kept back. So there's people who needed them. They kept back the wages from their laborers. They didn't give it to them who needed it. And they hoarded it up. And then it says they've lived in luxury. They lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. Now, this is similar to the man. You remember when Lazarus was lying outside of the house of the rich young man. And it says that that man lived in luxury. It doesn't mean that he just had a good time every now and then. It means that every single day he killed a cow and he had a life of luxury. He lived above any other means that he had to live. This is what it's all about. You know, you look at some people and they don't have one car, they've got seven, eight cars. Now am I saying it's a sin? No, listen to me. This is what the Bible says is they live in luxury. I've written during the week, I've le uh, read during the week about a sheikh, a sheikh in, in, uh, in the Middle East who, had a, who purchased something for his family. I think it was last month or so. He purchased for each one of his wives. He's got 18 wives. Each one of them, he bought them a limousine. Which they're not allowed to drive, by the way, but he bought them each one a limousine. And he wasn't happy with how long they were. He extended them. And then he went on and he purchased some spas and everything. The whole bill was $1.6 million. Just on one day. That is living in luxury. That sheik will one day stand before the Lord, whether he's a child of God or not, and he will give an account of every single dollar that he spent. And here, a reason for the rich to weep and to howl is the way the riches or how they use their riches. You know, the Bible is so clear about that, friends. 
it doesn't belong to us. It's God's money. And because it belongs to Him, we need to ask Him to help us to use that money, money for His glory. That's how we use it. First of all, He gave us money and jobs and, and ways to look after our families. We need to look after our families. That's a responsibility. Fathers and mothers need to look after children, and children need to look after their parents. Just, just how it is. That's what it's, what it's intended for. But they stored it up, they kept it from the needy, and they lived in luxury. Now, what will their riches do to them? First of all, he says in verse 3, Their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. We can't anticipate, we can't understand this. But he says the corrosion of their money will witness against them. In other words, they hoarded it up, it was sitting there, and now it will testify against them. Corrosion takes a time. It just, just doesn't happen overnight. And again, he's not against you setting up a savings account and building a savings account. He's talking about hoarding it up and you've got more than what you can live out for. And you do not use it for God's glory. And again, let me just emphasize here. As a church, we're not after your money. I'm not after your money. I'm just saying what God's saying. You know, somebody asked me, they say, do you still believe in tithing? Well, I don't. Oh no, let me correct myself. I do believe in tithing, but tithing belongs in the Old Testament. Because if you think about it, in the Old Testament, when God said, He, he said, I want a tenth of what you've got. That was part of the tithing. So people say to me, why don't you preach tithing? I don't have to preach tithing. Because in the New Testament, everything you've got belongs to God. That's why I never preach about tithing in this church. I'm not after your money. Honestly. We preach here, the year, and we say that you have to be a responsible steward of God's money. In the New Testament, he talks about our offerings. We bring our offerings to the table. And I thank God that he opens up people's hearts, that as we come together as a church, as a community, what do we need to do as a church with that? Do we need to build new buildings? Praise Lord, we, we are just renting this building here. But I've seen churches and people these days who build the most beautiful cathedrals now. You walk into these places and it's styles and everything looks so beautiful, but the poor people are sitting in the, in the pews. No, my belief is, personal belief is, if, if money comes into the house of the Lord, we look after God's people. If somebody is struggling, we look after them. That is what we do. He says this corrosion will be a witness against these people. Their riches will vanish. How true is this? Your riches are corroded, he says, and your garments are moth-eaten. That really expensive garment that you purchased. You don't want to wear it because otherwise it's going to get ripped or something. You hang it up. You know who it's going to get to eat? Moth. And then you get some people, they say, well, we just put in those moth balls. Did you, did you smell how moth balls smell? So when you wear it, you've got to put a lot of uh, perfume on just to take the, the moth smell away. But eventually, friends, it tears and it goes to nothing. It amazes me. You know how people build up for the old day. And I'm, I'm again not saying you should live it out and reckless living. But it amazes me how somebody can build up for the old day and then something happens and they pass on. And where does that money go? 
We were talking about it yesterday. We were looking at a beautiful house where Andres and Marinda was moving to. And you could see how the farmstead was laid out and how these beautiful trees were built with the drive up to the beautiful house. And, and you think about what people have put into that. Just for mom and dad to pass on and the children takes over and you do not know what the children's going to do with that. What you thought was really precious and you held on to it and they say, oh, mom and dad, you're getting so old now. Maybe you should move this on. Maybe because it's, no, no, no. It's so sentimental. I'm going to hold on to it. Listen, what did the word says? You brought nothing into this world and you can't take nothing out. You can't even take your sentimental values out of this world. Nothing belongs to us. Riches will vanish. The misuse riches erode character. It's so true. It says the corrosion will be a witness against you. It will eat your flesh like a fire. And not only will that do, it will judge them. It will become a witness against you. Psalm 37 verse 16. It says a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. I find it so often, you know, young people come and they say, I can't get it. I'm a child of God. It feels as if I'm poor. When I look at the world and you see all these people with their riches, they can do whatever they want to do. And here the psalmist come to you and me. And listen, in the day when the psalmist was writing this, he didn't see what we were seeing today. He didn't see the, the wealth of the world today. But certainly in his day, he could apply this a weekend as well. He says, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the wicked. Proverbs 13, 8. The ransom of a man's life. What is that? The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor hear not rebuke. What does he mean by this? He says, well, are you, for your life's sake, are you willing to give every single thing up that you've got right now? For your life's sake. If somebody comes up to you and says, what is your net worth? Your net worth. How much are you worth today? If are, are you a, a, will you write on a will you sign a document now that say you give your everything away? You walk out there just with the clothes on your body for your soul's sake. You say that's a little bit unfair, but isn't that what Jesus is asking? He says, "Come to the cross, repent of your sin, and what happens? He gives you a new life." You've got nothing anymore. Everything belongs to Him. This, this jacket that I've got belongs not even to me. Friends, you know how God wants us to be. If I walk out here in a winter day and I've got a warm jacket on, and there's somebody who can't afford it, He wants me to take my jacket off and give it to Him. Will you do that? Will you say, oh, but then I'm going to be cold. Well, again, you're like that man looking in the mirror and that thin line of silver is just filling the back of the glass. Oh, but you don't know how much I've paid for this jacket. What's going to happen to that jacket? It's going to be moth-eaten. Moth you know what's going to happen? You might pass on one day and the children will go through your drawer and they see this beautiful jacket. Man, you were so proud on that jacket, but it's not, it's not in their fashion. They won't wear it. They're going to take it down to the Salvation Army and somebody else is going to give it to somebody who's going to give it to a guy who sleeps in a park and there they lie with your really nice jacket in the park, so nice and warm. And where, where are you? <laughs> Friends, if there's one thing, honestly, to preach about riches and to, about money is difficult for people. But what he wants to tell us here is that we've got nothing. 
It doesn't say that we've got to go now and throw everything away. No, it doesn't say that because you've still got a responsibility. Some of us has got mortgages. Some of us has got homes that we are rented. Some of us has got cars that we're paying. It's your responsibility as a child of God to do whatever you put your hands to, to, to live up to that and not to live above your means. This is where it's going. Make sure that you are gaining and getting money in, in the right way. And and by God's means, friends, pay the taxes that you need to pay to the government. Because that's required of us. You remember when, when they came to Jesus with this question, so clever were they, were they, they said, Jesus, should we pay the taxes to the Romans? They tried to catch him, and he says, give me a coin. And he looked at the coin, and he says, whose face is on this coin? Oh, it's Nero, it's the Caesar's face. And then he says, give to Caesar what belongs to him, and give to God that belongs to God. There's a responsibility here. So let's finish this morning and looking at what should our attitude be. We saw now that James has already showed us now that the rich should weep and howl. And you're sitting here this morning and say, but I'm not as rich as the rich is talking about. But yes, you are sitting here and you are earning money and you need to use it responsible. So what should our attitude be? I love it in Luke chapter 3. Uh, it, it so clearly states it for us. It says in verse 3, you remember when John the Baptist was baptizing and he went out into all the region around the Jordan preaching what? A baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Now, I give it to you that this was before the cross. This is a different baptism that we have today. But still, the key words for me in the sentence is that he was preaching what? He was preaching repentance and the remission of sins. That was the key of his message. The key of James's message today, talking to the rich, is what? Is of repentance and of remission of sin. And then, he says, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. You and I, as a child of God, need to wear fruit. We need to bear fruit worthy of repentance. And they couldn't understand what he was meaning, as many do today. And then from verse 10 on, he tells them, he says to them, So the people say, what shall we do? And he answered and said to them, He who has two tunics. Can you see how it correlates now with what James was talking about? Can you see how what they hoarded up was getting corrosion and how the clothes go are getting moth? They were on the same page here because it's God's page. He says, he who has two tunics, what does he need to do? Let him give one to him who has none. It's so clear. This is what James was talking about. You know, we wear uh, jackets and then next year when the new season comes in, there's a new line out. Then we buy a new jacket. What happens to the old jackets? We always look at them and we go, one day I'm going to wear you. No, you're not. Because next year the new line comes out and what happens? You buy the new line, you put the old line in there and you say, I'm going to wear you one day. See, you know, true, I'm going to wear you one day. What happened to the one you purchased five years ago? It's still hanging there. But then again, I've got sentimental value to it because when I had that one on, uh, what happened that day? Oh, we were walking down and I tied my wife's hand. And we, it was such a moment we went in. That, that jacket was part of that moment. Friends, you can't take your moments to heaven as well because your brain will lose them. You can take your soul to heaven. 
And here he says, give it away. He didn't say, sell it on Gumtree and use the, oh, I'm going to give my tithe to the church. Now you know that, you know, I'm not looking for your tithe. No. No, no. He says, give it to him. And then he goes on to say, and he who has food, let him do likewise. You remember when I showed you what Paul wrote to Timothy? What did he say? Two things. Clothing and food. Clothing and food. While you are chasing this new line every year, there are people without clothes. There are people without food. Again, if you've got that, if, you are, if God has blessed you in your life with enough, please, I tell you what the Word of God says, look outside. Don't look into the mirror. Look through the window and see who's there, who you can bless. In fact, I should correct myself, it's not who you can bless, who God can bless through you. Because it's God's blessing, it's never your blessing. It's never your blessing. It's His. And it belongs to Him. You see, He was addressing selfishness there. Then to the tax collectors, they came to baptize, they said, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed to you. So they were stealing from people. Remember when James says, the problem here is not your riches, it's how you get your riches. You do not pay the people their wages on the day. The same was happening with them, and no doubt I can give you a list of things that Christians are doing today to get unfair money. You see, the big problem today is people don't want to work for their money anymore. It, it's got to come easy. I want to become part of the scheme. And when the scheme that is successful, then I can kick back and live what? In pleasure and in luxury. I don't want to work hard for it. Who knows that easy money goes easy? I've seen it. I've, uh, I've, years ago I've read about this, this family was really poor and they were playing lotto and they won the lotto I think it was 1.8 million dollars four in the family two sons, mom and, and, and they were so poor, good family time within a year they had nothing within a year they were taking each, each other to courts easy things goes easy hard working things Man, you think twice before you give it away. And this is, this is what he's addressing here, he's stealing. And likewise, the soldiers came to him and said, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not intimidate or falsely accuse. Be content with your wages. Just be content. So what is the message you and I take out of this? Be responsible for God's blessing in your life. Be responsible. I certainly ask the Lord and I want to look outside and say, Lord, where can I bless? You know, I do still get it. I get it. When I walk through Sydney, and now more so, I start seeing it happening in Melbourne as well. And you walk around and you see these people sleeping in the cities. In Auckland this week, in Auckland, walk past there, people at night, they just lie there on, on the street. And now, look, I know, you can come to me and say, yeah, but they've got their own thing, they need to get up and go for work and all of those kind of things. Yeah, I get that, and it's true. It's true. But you walk into a fine restaurant and you sit and you eat yourself full and you walk past these people. Now, here is the thing. If it doesn't affect you anymore, that is the issue now. Not whether you are able to give to them, it's if it's not affecting you anymore. You see, some people walk through society and they don't see that anymore. 
No, we as children of God need to be a little bit more wide open. And we need to understand that God gives us finances, but with it comes a responsibility. So, every single cent that you spend in your life, you will be kept accountable before God. And there you were thought, oh, he's going to preach on tithing. So you need to bring your tithing to the storehouse, otherwise you rob God. You won't get that preaching from this pulpit. You won't. 22 years that I've had the privilege of, of, of ministering and being a pastor and, and have churches and so on. Not one time have I ever preached to people and say you need to tithe or bring money to the church. Never, ever. And I will not. I've had people who come to me and they say, oh, if you can understand why I'm not putting money in the church, I'm helping somebody else financially. And I say, God bless you, do it. Do it. If God laid it on your heart to help people financially, help them. People say, oh, bring it to the storehouse. We will send it out. What is wrong with you? Why, didn't you? why do you need me? But look, I tell people, I say, look, we do have as a church responsibilities. Things need to be paid. And thank God. I will just want to testify to you, friends. Because I believe since I've taken this step and, and trust God for every single thing in ministry, He's blessed us. And I can tell you testimony upon testimony. We were in New Zealand and one stage we were full-time ministry, full-time. Trusting God. One day we were sitting there. And Leone came to me and she said, we've got no food. No food. I said, well, we'll we better trust God. Come five o'clock, no food. The cupboards are empty. Some of you, we knew you back then. But, but I never gave it out. I mean, these people sitting here, never did I walk in front of people with a drawn down face and go, oh, you know, ministry is so tough, there's no money in ministry. No, if you do it for money, go get a job. But you know what happened? Five o'clock that afternoon, there's a knock on the door. I'm not telling you fables here, friends. I'm telling you what happened with us. Five o'clock, she wasn't even in our church. She was working in an all-day home who heard about this pastor, South African pastor and his wife. Not how troubled they were because we didn't show that to people. We speak to God. Five o'clock, a knock on the door. And you know what she said? She came with food, cooked food. She said... I just felt on my heart today to cook you food. There was starters, there was a main meal, and there was even pudding. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve. Friends, for all the time that we were in ministry, we never asked people for money. And God supplied every single time. So never lay upon my door that I will preach to you to get seats full or to get money in. But what I will pray about and preach about is what James is teaching us here. Be responsible and understand this principle. It is not yours. It belongs to God. I just want to mention as well, this church will never have a building fund. I just thought I'd throw it in there. Because my Bible teaches me the Lord will build His church. And if He builds His church, He will always have a venue for His church. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning so much for Your Word. Your Word is a light unto Your feet and a, uh, feet and a light unto, uh, and a lamp unto Your path. And Father, we thank You for that. Thank You that we take a step every day. Short steps, Father. As we've heard last week, not to, not to think about yourself so much and to plan for the future so far ahead. Yet we come to you and say, if God wills, this will happen in future. 
And then now today as you talk to us about our finances, Lord, we are so blessed. You give us a body which can work, a brain that can function.